This week on Gym Ops Radio, Dave and Brian discuss their experience in a volume-based model, some of the fallacies industry gurus spread about the model, and why a volume-based approach provides a ton of opportunities to be successful with minimal headaches. Welcome to episode 54. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. My name is Brian Pritz. I'm here with Dave Thomas. We're the owners of Performance 360 in San Diego. Uh, Today's episode, we are going to talk about the volume model and why it is not dead. Um, So there's a little bit of a trend going on in the industry post-COVID where there's a lot of advice and a lot of people that are switching over to um, a model of uh, lower members at higher prices. And uh, there are definitely some scenarios where that is an excellent route to take. Um, We definitely wouldn't advocate against that necessarily, um, but we also would uh, advocate for more of a volume approach. Um, We've always been a little bit more of a volume-based model, so um, we might be a little bit biased towards that, but uh, that is because we are successful with it. Um, And the uh, volume that we're able to do and that uh, the revenue that we're able to see through that is a very successful model. So, um, you know, today we're going to talk about that volume model approach, uh, the benefits of it, and um, kind of how we're doing it and and ways to excel at it. Yeah, I also think that, um, you know, volume can get a really bad rap. Like, it's when we think about volume, we often think about just like really crappy service pushed in high quantities. Right. Um, I think everybody has that memory of like Groupon and Living Social where you just buy things for like $5 for two months <laughs> of this and, you know, Planet Fitness being whatever it is per month where you're just trying to get as many people as possible. And, um, you know, those are certainly the ways that it is portrayed by people who are pushing a lower membership count at premium prices. Uh, it's obviously they want to paint it in that picture to sell you their services. And it's just not true. You know, a volume model is simply just about um, more members than what the average would be. And so you can absolutely get to a quote volume model to about 200, 250 members. Um, and you can be doing about 30 to $45,000 a month in revenue. Um, and the key with that is minimal expense inflation. You know, we don't want to give away future points that we'll be talking about, but a lot of these consulting services, they tell you that your expenses are just going to be spiraling out of control the more members that you have. Um, and while there is certainly that potential, it's also pretty easy to rein it in and manage it uh, and also have those expenses working for you and not necessarily against you. Exactly. And fun fact is, uh, you know, I've been going through changing all of our old paper documents into digital forms um, so that I don't have to carry seven big things of boxes around uh, everywhere I go. And I uh, found our original business plan. And <laughs> oh, in that original business plan, we had Groupon as one of our options to grow membership. Um, and, you know, we, we ran the math on that. And it was like, if you get, you know, 300 people to buy your Groupon for first month at $10 and like X amount of people stay, then that's, you know, X amount of members and like, I don't want to lie, there's not a whole lot of other strategic uh, development in that plan other than like, let's just go on Groupon. Um, And so obviously we did not follow that after we opened, uh, thankfully. Um, But 
just kind of a fun fact that I just discovered in our in our old files. Yeah, I mean, Groupon was like that was that was all the rage back then. I know it's crazy. And a lot of gyms did that. We didn't do it, so it's like I'm glad you brought that up because. Um, again, you think volume model, everybody thinks like race straight to the bottom and that's, that's not what it is. So that's a good segue into our first talking point. And that's really just defining what a volume approach is. And so first up with that would be pricing. Now, this is a completely subjective interpretation of it. I think everybody's going to have their own version of what they think a, mo- a volume model looks like. And so, you know, the reason we want to take a minute and define it is c- because we want to put into context like what we're talking about and what we would advocate for um, because we're basing this solely off our experience. So it is a little bit of like N equals one. This is just our experience with it, but it's been with 10 years across three gyms. So um, it is a little bit vetted against more than just somebody sitting here tell you knew what they think would happen on paper. It's actually a lot more vetted than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just to kind of put it into context with how we've used it. And so for pricing, um, we've always looked at it as kind of mid-range in the market and definitely not like the cheapest in the market. Um, I think that's a very, very big one is you want to price yourself still respectably enough to be taken seriously, but you want to be, um, you know, you want to be affordable to more people. It's like That's like the simplest way I could put it. So with the premium model, it's great because, you know, you, you put that price tag at like $250, whatever it is for your market, and, you know, you're immediately going to attract a certain type of person. Uh, that, that would be indisputable, but you're just going to close yourself off from the overwhelming percentage of people who could use your services. And that's just something that you and I have never really wanted to do. Yeah, a, a couple good um, you know ways to look at it is you know the car industry is a good example. You've got um, you know BMW for example, higher priced versus uh, Toyota lower priced. Um, Toyota sells a lot more cars than BMW. Both models can work if you do it right, but the the approach that you know we're kind of talking about is the selling more cars just at a better value, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you know, one of the things that we've seen success in with our um, moderately tiered pricing while still providing a great service is we get a lot of people that are transitioning from, uh, let's just call it like the Globo gyms. So um, they've been a regular gym member and they're ready to take their fitness a little bit more seriously. And so that price jump from, you know, a 40 to $50 a month membership up to $150 membership is not that drastic. Um, and so there's a lot more people in that pool that typically go to Globo gyms um, that are ready to transition into something a little bit more professional and serious um, rather than if they were to go from like 40 to 50 bucks a month up to 250 a month. Um, that's much more drastic change. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. And, you know, to put it into actual, you know, quantifiable terms, so you can go on our website if you want an example of this. It's just perform-360.com. Um, start here under gym memberships. You can see our average pricing and we're about $150 a month to join the gym. And so, you know, it, it if you're looking for some type of like starting point or some type of suggestion for how to price yourself for this type of volume model, um, you know, it's it's going to be different for every every market, but I would advocate like 90 to 95% of whatever the, the most expensive version of it is in your market. Um, that way it's, you're not 
um, tarnishing yourself with a low quality image, but you're also making yourself attainable um, to more people within the market. And you can certainly increase your prices over time. Our prices have gone up over the years um, in the pursuit of obviously driving up that average value per member. Um, but that's kind of the key with pricing is you, you definitely want to avoid that bottom tier pricing. And um, if you are trying to make your revenue and your sustainability through volume, then uh, it's best you stay away from being the higher priced uh, option in the industry as well. Yeah, and if you talk to any gym owner and ask them, like, what is the best way to get new members, I would say 99% of them would say referrals. Right. So the more people that you have generates more referrals. So, um, you know, getting that base number of people in there and allowing that referral engine to really drive uh, more volume is, is a great approach. Yeah, and so the second point, obviously, that's pricing uh, acquisition. So how do we define acquisition with a, with a volume approach? And um, really, it's kind of about trying the service. It's not about the consultation approach. So, you know, many types of consulting, many types of places will advocate for getting people in the door and, and getting that, you know, that 30 to 60 minute consultation. And we've always avoided that um, quite literally at all costs because we just want to get out of the way. We want people to come in and we want them to try the service. We want to make that process as scalable and automated as possible because we think that uh, it doesn't need salesmanship. It doesn't need this binder of options for you to present to people. Uh, give them what they're ultimately going to be using, and that is training at your gym with a coach in a class with your members. And that's it. If you have good services around that, good automation, uh, then you're going to grow. And, and quite honestly, you're going to go pretty easily once you have that dialed in. And, you know, again, those lower lower membership uh, approaches, you know, they tell you that there's nothing personal in that and, you know, you can't have that kind of one-on-one -on -one touch. And that's, that's absolutely untrue as you um, more than anybody can speak to that since that's kind of been your job over the past 10 years. But it's, it's having that personal experience come after they have tried the service. Yep. And from that point on, that's when we kind of take over. We do have automation with that. It's not to repeat anything we've discussed, but um, it's all about ease of use to try the gym and then uh, personal communication with them afterwards. Yeah, that's a really good point because, you know, I, uh, I would say our membership base believes the gym and the experience to be very personalized. Um, it's just not until you join the gym or try the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that point, you know, we have a, a dedicated new member coach. We've got, um, you know, the ability to email in and, and get a personal response, all that stuff. So, um, to say you're exactly right to say that there's no personal touch to a volume based model is just absolutely incorrect. Yeah. And it's just, it's 2021, the amount of tools that we have at our disposal to create really good, customized, personalized automation, uh, has never been more available. And so I just don't, I've never understood the insistence on like keeping it like it's 1990 to where it's like somebody comes in, you go back in an office, you talk with them and you know, we have those services for our current members, but like, I just, I, I could never wrap my mind around that kind of effort and that kind of, um, sweat just to try to get people to join the gym. Um, I don't think that's something that, you know, we've evolved in many things over the years, but I, I can't see us ever moving away from just the bare ease of, of trying the gym. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we've had a few people over the years that have asked, like, can I come in and talk to somebody and like sit down and go over my goals? And there's like three or four people that I've been like, I can make that work. Like I'll plan my class around meeting this person. 
and I've gone in and met the person and had a consultation. And after every single one of them, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. This is like <laughs> so much effort for literally them to just be like, ask some basic questions and me tell them that the gym's perfect for them and them signing up. Yeah. Um, so it's just like the, the price per hour of time that you need to do those consultations is just like, it's not worth it when you can get those people anyways through, you know, some automation and some personal touch. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, the, the a volume approach is just like, it's about letting those people go elsewhere. It's right. like, if they're going to be, you know, I, I hate, I hate to use the term high maintenance for someone who wants to just come in and ask questions, but it's like, if they're going to feel like they can't do that over email, like quite honestly, then I just like, maybe they're not the best fit for how the model is going to be once they become a member. Yeah. Good point. Um, so in keeping with that acquisition, so um, a big part of that is a conversion incentive, aka a discount. We've always talked about how we don't really like that phrase because it is so Groupon oriented. Um, you know, it's really, we don't spend any money on marketing. So our cost of acquisition, we just allocate that towards giving um, an incentive towards joining. And that's in the first month, that's anywhere from like 50% off towards a 90 or a $99 membership. And so we've toyed with, um, let me just clarify that again. I kind of feel like I breezed through that. So it's either 50% off the first month or it's $99 for the first month. And we've toyed with different options over our 10 years and what's worked and all have kind of netted out with different pros and cons. But um, the benefit of getting those people to kind of like soft try your gym for a month converts so many people into full paying members and you lose very, very little money on the front end of that transaction. Yeah. I'd like to reiterate, reiterate, reiterate. <laughs> I'd like to reiterate, like we don't spend a dollar on marketing, like none, which I mm -hmm. is pretty crazy. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a part of a few like Facebook groups and email lists for gym owners and stuff like that. And it's like, there's all this stuff out there about like, you know, getting leads through Facebook advertising and Yelp advertising and all this different stuff. And it's like, that stuff is so expensive and the cost per acquisition can be very expensive when it's like, you can just do better things internally to create that marketing referral program that drives enough people to give you the volume based approach without spending that money. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point, and that's why I've never really had too much of an issue with the fact that we have given away some value on the front end because we know uh, we don't spend any money on marketing, so we have so much of this in the budget that we're it's like we're almost saving money on it because the amount we'd have to spend on marketing to keep up with all the marketing that's out there just it wouldn't make it worth it at all right and so it's like you know just doing some some quick math on it like. Let's say you get 15 members in a month at $150. You know, that's going to be $2,250 a month. And, you know, let's say you're charging them only $99 a month. That's going to be roughly $1,500 in their first month. So you can see that, like, yes, you're losing maybe about 700 or so dollars 
um, on the front end of things, but they immediately, once they hit in that second month, they're paying full price. And a lot of those people perhaps wouldn't have joined the gym to begin with. So it's like, it's almost like an extended trial of the gym Mm -hmm. for people who just aren't quite sure about committing. And I know a lot of the times people think like, oh, and you know, a lot of these people are going to be bargain shoppers. They don't really have any interest in staying. And of course you do see some folks who do not stay past the first month, For sure, but they're not these like freaks of nature who don't look anything like the rest of your members like by and large they look the exact same they're the same type of demographic they just we're a busy saturated market in san diego most of them just want to see what it's all about and because we offer them that ease in doing so they typically will choose us more times than paying a full price at a um, competing gym exactly and so i think you know when you when you talk about acquisition we talk about pricing it's like understanding the hierarchy of what contributes to it. So it's like you think about trying to initially, you just want to intrigue people with the price. So you never want to, you don't want, I think if we ever were to be in a position where someone looks at our gym and the price and is like, I'm joining, that's a bad place to be. That means somebody is like only joining on the price of your gym and that's not what you want. So you want to intrigue people with the price. You want to attract them to the gym with the branding and ultimately you want to convert them with the experience. So it's all the systems playing together to where it's like they get, um, a little bit of an incentive to join that makes it easy for them to try the gym in their first month. And then, of course, the long-term experience being a quality experience, very good coaches, very good programming, very good class. That's what's going to convert them into like long-term members. Yeah, it's amazing. We talk about this all the time. Like if we can just get people into the gym to experience it for you know a short amount of time, then they're sold. And that's all – that's – that's what these quote unquote discounts do is they just provide an incentive to get people in to experience what they get by joining. And then that sells them from there. Yeah. This whole process that we're talking about, for example, last week, last week we got 50 leads in through our system. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, we don't do anything for that. That's not a marketing funnel from like coming from an outside paid Instagram or Facebook post. Uh, that's just nothing. That is pure organic. Either somebody searching for the gym, finding what they, see on the liking what they see on the website it's referrals it's all those things so that's when we talk about you know being a a a volume-based approach like we're not there's not this uh grind to keep up with all these people coming in through the door because we have the automation that's in place um and we have the system that that works because it's based around quality it's not based around smoke and mirrors, and so we keep these people. And so it's really, it's really not much more effort. I, I would even argue that we might even be working harder if we didn't have this approach because it'd be so personalized and like we'd almost be kind of going backwards in our ability to like having to keep up with all this personalized conversations and meetings with new members just to get them to join. So I actually think that you spend less time, and again, not to, not to steal a point away from what we're talking about, um, but I, I think you spend less time with a model based around this because of the automation around the acquisition. Yeah, I would totally agree. And we'll kind of get into more of that, um, a little bit later in the episode. Um, but let's talk about some common misconceptions about the, uh, the volume based model, um, and fallacy number one, um, you make less money because your prices aren't premium. Um, so this is just a very simple, math equation. If you're talking about a a goal of 150 members and you charge $200 a month, uh, your revenue is going to be $30,000 a month. If you're going more towards a volume-based approach, 
uh, and your goal is 250 members, and let's say you're only charging 150 a month, your revenue is 37,500. So an extra 7,500 monthly revenue by having 100 extra members. And that might seem like a big jump from 150 at a higher price model to 250 at a volume-based model, but it is so much easier to get members at a uh, more competitive price than that premium price. Um, I don't think that 250 is a stretch at all, um, but I do think it would be very difficult to get 150 members at 200, uh, 200 plus a month. Um, and so, um, you know, there's there's added benefits of that where, um, you know, if you have more people through the door, if you're charging less uh, on membership prices, then people have extra income to spend on extra services like nutrition. Um, nutrition is one of those things we're really focusing on this year. Um, and if you're spending less money towards your general fitness uh, classes, your general membership, then you have uh, extra money that you can spend more on those premium services. Yeah, it's just it's a numbers game, right? It's that, that's such like a cliched um, term that gets thrown around, but especially when it comes into secondary services. And I know the case can be made that you know if you're paying a higher price to go to a gym, then you have more discretionary income and you're probably going to be more inclined to pay for additional services. And I, I believe that to be true. But you cannot discount the fact that if you have more people, then you just – the the, uh, the need to convert them to secondary services to get them interested in secondary services is is a much easier approach because you have a much bigger pool to pull from. And so, you know, nutrition is the obvious example, but let's say you have three or four other services that you want to make available and you have more people within your customer base who are willing to do them. It just makes adding and growing those secondary revenue streams, like you said, just, just an easier process and one that um, you don't have to grind quite as much to get to where it needs to be. Yeah, and you know another great example is if you sell supplements or gear or whatever. It's like the more bodies that are in there, obviously the more sales on all that other stuff you're gonna get. So um, that kind of secondary revenue mm -hmm. can just grow way more than if you're at a lower volume based model. Absolutely, and you know you mentioned referrals earlier, but you now have you know 250 people going around town as you're walking, talking billboards, um, as opposed to the 150 and you know, when we talk about that, how we define a, uh, a volume-based approach, you know, that 250 members at $150 average membership price, um, that is obviously our approach because we're in San Diego. Uh, San Diego is a very, you know, it's one of the, it's a major city in America. It's got tons of people who are interested in fitness. So if you're listening, you know, in a small town, obviously, or somewhere that isn't that big demographically, then getting 250 members is obviously probably something that's going to be a little bit more of a challenge, but it's all to scale, right? Because then your ability to get those higher, those higher paying members is also going to come down. So, you know, when we use the 150 at the premium model versus the 250 at the volume model, you know, we kind of trust that you can kind of, uh, take those numbers and make them kind of more appropriate for what your specific market would be. But in the San Diego market, those are very, very realistic. And we have uh, exceeded those numbers in every location that we've opened. Yeah, good point. And uh, similar to what you're saying, you know, your a lot of your expenses are going to be lower um, if you're in kind of a smaller town. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I've seen a few places that have disclosed how much they're paying on rent um, in some smaller towns, and I just, that makes me so jealous because our rents are pretty high, which is, um, you know, part of the reason that we can shoot for a higher membership base and, and get that, um, I don't want to say relatively easily, but um, it's not it's not a far off uh, stretch to get those numbers. Yeah. Um, okay, so second fallacy we just went over, uh, you make less money because your prices aren't premium when in fact you actually make more money. As far as revenue goes, we haven't touched profit margins yet. Fallacy number two, your expenses are out of control. So I've heard this sold quite a bit by those who advocate for um, the 100 to 150 members at high prices. And it just is not true. There's no other really way to say it. Yes, your expenses will be higher. There is no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But they're not to scale with revenue, meaning your revenue is going to still greatly outpace whatever expenses support that growth, which makes them not expenses by nature. It makes them investments. So, you know, for example, we've come to determine that basically you need a class for about every 30 members or so. It's going it, to, it's different for each location, but call it you need one class for about every 30 members. So, Let's say you add a class to your schedule because you want to add 30 members. The cost to run that class, let's assume that you're going to pay the coach $30 to run that class, and let's just say you're going to have $10 of overhead for that class. Dequipment, appreciation. Did I say dequipment? Dequipment, yeah. Equ equipment. I was just going to let that slide. but Equipment, depreciation, <laughs> uh, you know. Cleaning supplies, all that stuff. So let's say that's $10. That comes out to $40. Now you run that class five days a week times $40, you get $200 per week. You run that for four weeks in a month, you're now at $800 per month. And let's just go ahead and round that up to $900 because of payroll taxes and maybe anything that we're, that we're missing that could be factored into that cost. So you get $900 per class and you're able to add 30 members because you now are able to offer another time that people come in. 30 members at $149 is $4,470 of revenue generated against the investment of $900 per class. So the argument that it's going to drive up expenses is just so far off. <laughs> it's, it's actually not even close how much more of a uh, earning opportunity you have by taking on some of those expenses. You know, if you're looking at your business, like I want to save $900 because you don't want to make close to $5,000, then that is a fundamental flaw that you have in just seeing expenses. Uh, certain expenses are expenses and certain expenses are investments. So you have to be able to differentiate between those two and know when, when to spend money and when to invest money and when to not. Yeah, I love that, breaking that down into an investment versus an expense. Um, Got to spend money to make money. And uh, Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it does, it is going to be harder. Um, you know, one of our challenges is, you know, we have three locations right now. We have a lot of coaches. Um, and, that, you know, that is a challenge. It, it is certainly a management challenge. Um, and as we'll kind of get into the next point, it's a good segue for talking about how it's just going to, eat up so much of your time, um, which you and I can agree is partially true, but also comes with its benefits. Yeah. Fallacy number three drains your, your time trying to keep up. Uh, so without a doubt, more members requires more time, uh, potentially significantly more time. Uh, this is a downside to a volume-based approach. Um, however, if you are operating a quality business, then 
you're obviously um, you know working on the business itself so uh, you know creating automations um, so we had a good episode I think it was 47 uh, about automation so mm -hmm. as you get more members yes that's technically more like you know maybe emails or um, you know meeting with people helping them out whatever that is but you are then putting in automations to take a lot of that stress off your plate um, and so you know we can use ourselves as a great example we had one person uh, essentially be like customer support customer service for you know almost a thousand people um, and that's I you know I don't have the time to deal with a thousand people individually um, but all these things that we've done to the business um, basically handles most of the tasks and the questions that pop up and stuff like that so um, yes as you grow your membership base that does require more uh, touch points or communication but if you're doing everything right and you start adding automation then that goes down drastically of what it would be yep that's that's a very good point you know as automation is a key with it i would recommend that if, if people are in a volume-based approach or they're considering it to absolutely go back and listen to episode 47 you you basically break down every bit of automation that we have uh, throughout the entire membership length and it's very very valuable um but the time that you spend is like bluntly put it's worth it and so as we kind of talked about it being a, an expense investment as far as like adding classes and expenses go for that so too is the time that you spend because um you know when you talk about it's more work to support members, that's absolutely true. But what another way to think about that is you're supporting the people who are paying money to, to be there. So you're supporting a recurring revenue by just actions that you take behind the scenes, membership updates and whatnot. So it's not like these are um, things that don't provide a return when you support them. So it's all just goes to drive that engine of the repeated revenue, the long-term client value. Uh, because that is obviously where you make the bulk of your income and your sustainability in a volume-based model. And it's just, you know, it absolutely is more work, but it's just, it, it's worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. it it's kind of like the only way that we can we can really say that. I think if people are looking for some sort of model where you're just getting pros across the board and there's no cons, that doesn't exist. Right. You know, show, show me that model. And, you know, we'll be the first to tell you that um, the upkeep for um, a membership of ours, like I've said, we have three locations. Um, at this point, we have about 850 active members. So, like, it, it is a lot of work. Like, there's no beating around that bush. That is just, like, a part of the game for when you run a business like we do and our model being um, more volume-based. But our numbers, it is worth it. Like, we're doing... 35% on our profit margins right now, um, all time as a gym, we're over 35% um, in an industry where kind of anything over 30% is considered very good. So we would not trade that. Like We've kind of accepted that as built in part of what is needed on our back end and from our, you know, employees, people that we hire, you know, we are always going to require a higher level of support, but because we understand uh, all the benefits that it brings to people who work here and, of course, ourselves as owners. Yeah, I mean, a really good point that you made, you know, we have eight, around 850 active members, and you made a point earlier that just in one week we had 50 leads come in. And, you know, if you 
add those current members that you're dealing with, you know, customer service as a broad rule with them, you also have 50 new people that are inquiring about the gym. So that total membership count that you're servicing goes drastically up. But the really cool thing is 50 leads in one week required, I don't know, 20 minutes of time, (laughs) you know, like to put a number on it. Like, I don't even know if it is, but it's just like, they enter their name into the website. They automatically get an email with a link to try a class or join if they want to try a class. Uh, it's all automated to where they can register for a class and show up to the class. And at that point, there's not been a single uh, piece of work or time commitment to get them to that point of coming into the gym. And then if they're ready to join the gym, then there's a link to join online. Um, and that requires uh, you know five minutes of setup uh, on their membership to, to get them ready. So that's what we're talking about with all that, um, you know, the time commitment really comes from after they join and that personalized experience comes after they try class or join, uh, up till that point, it's just automation station. Yeah. It's like, and it's funny because in all the things we're talking about with like all the claims against a volume based approach is, you know, I still maintain it's less work. I, I really do because what it forces you to do is just really get airtight with that automation. I mean, you like I, I would legitimately put your knowledge on back-end automation for micro gyms. Like I'd put it amongst the top in the world. I, I truly oh, would. Thanks. Like you've been doing that. Well, you've been doing that full time for the last decade for three gyms all day, every day. So it's like if you're able to get that to the point where it's airtight, then it, it, it's really not that much that much more work, and in some areas, it's going to save you even more time. It's just I, I think it, it's worth mentioning again, like you know, the alternative being that you know, kind of like 1980s approach of everybody coming in and it being all in person, and um, <laughs> you know, like I, I've heard people advocate for like having a sales binder where you're like flipping through and showing people <laughs> options, and I'm just like. You know, I, I don't. There's so many. There's so many ways that a gym can work for different people based on your personality and your goals. But I just, I don't like. I, I would never want to tell somebody to spend more time in the gym than they need to. Right. And so it's like if you're there all day taking these appointments, or you know, the, another argument is like, oh, you have to hire more staff when you're a volume-based approach. So you know, you can turn around and say you have to hire staff to replace yourself unless you're going to be doing those meetings all the time. So there's no such thing as like not an increase in overhead and staffing in anything if you want to grow. You know, that's always that's always going to come at the cost of more work. Growth is not free. And so it's just a matter of understanding that you are going to spend that time no matter what. And we would rather allocate our time towards supporting um, a higher number of people in a back-end manner than we would front-end client-facing sitting down with people all day and having those in-person discussions. Yeah, exactly. You know, a quick example, if let's just say you have 100 members um, and you want to grow to 200 members, um, you know, that's an extra 100 members paying 149. Uh, it's an extra $15,000 of revenue. So let's just say that's the point where you can't handle the the customer um, support for an extra hundred mu- members. Well, you're not going to be paying a customer support person fifteen thousand dollars a month. 
So just like the pure math on that is, okay, you add an extra hundred, you make 15 grand. Let's just say you pay somebody five grand a month. That's still a profitable scenario. Yeah. And that's also um, not quite sure you'd need to pay a customer service person (laughs) 60,000 a year. Totally. But point it's just, it's to your point that there, that there is, there is no scenario. There's no scenario where you don't come out of that much more profitable. Exactly. And we've talked a lot about driving revenue, which is why we always want to make sure we separate revenue versus profit because you know, it's really uh, it's not easy, but you you could drive up revenue to a point that doesn't necessarily mean you're making money, but in this model, we've shown that the return that you get on your time is far 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 greater than any expense that you're putting into it. Exactly. So, um okay, cool. So we have been through um, three things that you make less money because your prices aren't premium. That's false. Uh, that your expenses will spiral out of control. Also false. And that it drains your time trying to keep up with it. Also false. So now we want to talk about ways to make it work because what you do not want to be, we have to keep saying it over and over, is the, the super cheap option, the low quality option, the Groupon option. If you try to do that, you are... I can't, I can't even imagine trying to do that. It's probably a nightmare and you're likely going to fail. So there are things that you must keep in mind if you are to make a volume-based approach work. And first and foremost with that is you have to get standard operating procedures. So um, that's just everything that streamlines everything about your process. Your staff knows how to run a class. Um, everything Every person's job is basically exists on paper in a very methodical way that they do it. And the reason why you want to have this in place, um, mainly for the sake of today's discussion, is for how those coaches are going to welcome members. So that's a huge part of our success with a volume model is a coach has a very, very, um, I don't want to say scripted, but it is very detailed and outlined of how they should interact with a person who's trying the gym. And then we've gone so far as labeling people in our system so that when they sign up for class, the coach gets a notification that this person is within their first 30 days of membership so that the coach can find this person in the class, introduce themselves, form a relationship, and begin having that one-on-one dynamic and that high-quality, highly personalized experience right away. This new member isn't like hidden. They're not forgotten about. They don't have to go out of their way to flag down the coach. Our coaches are all trained to be able to seek that out and initiate that process, which is going to create that long-term value because the person feels bought in. They feel welcomed pretty much on their first day and first week of coming to the gym. Absolutely. I would uh, just add names, learn people's names. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. We have, you know, which is part of our SOPs. It is, and it's it, uh, taking a step further. It's part of our culture. So, like when our coaches are evaluated, evaluated, I can't talk today. <laughs> coaches are evaluated. One of the top three things on that page is like our brand promise. Are you referring to people by names? It is like the singular most important part of how we try to create our culture for our members. And if we didn't have that in place, if we didn't have this whole process. It would be much more of a shit show, and I think that is where a lot of people who use a volume model fail is they maybe are great marketers, but they have nothing to back it up once that person actually joins the gym. Exactly. Um, And so second point 
you have to have your acquisition and your communication to members automated on some level. So there's no need to go through and repeat that stuff. If you want more on that, then go listen to episode 47 that you mentioned. But you can't have a volume-based approach without the technology that keeps up with it. If you're trying to do everything manually, you're trying to be that guy or gal who is like creating custom manual responses, engagements for every person that comes in through the door, you're not going to be able to fulfill that or you're going to go completely insane trying to do that. Yeah, it's funny. I... uh I still remember we had a, a call a long time ago with the gym owner that they hit 50 members and that was the point they lost it where they were like, can't keep keep up with, mm-hmm. with this anymore. And that was like the first time that I was kind of like blown away by um, just the fact that the gym industry was a little bit behind in terms of like business automation in general. Um, you know, 50 members would be like, a one minute job um, for us right now a month. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that like, uh, you know, they say at a hundred members, you can no longer keep that personal connection with folks. So you really shouldn't go above that. <laughs> and like, I just hear that. And I'm like, that is like the biggest load of bullshit. Right. Like, first of all, and we've talked about this on so many episodes, your business should not exist for you to be like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't exist for like you to be, um, overlord of relationships with people at your gym right like at some point like get out of the way it's it's not about you that sounds kind of counterintuitive to like owning your own business but if you're not letting like your coaches be the ones who come in and form those relationships and you know those people who are actually going to be delivering the service that's what your gym should be about long term it shouldn't be about you constantly holding the keys to uh, your members relationship with the brand so it whether or not you choose a volume-based approach or an incredibly low membership, high premium approach, I would just really caution people against that mentality that like you singularly need to be the person who um, is the driving force behind the positive feeling in the relationship with the gym. Couldn't agree more. And uh, last but not least, and actually last but uh, most least, <laughs> most important, um, High quality. So we've talked about that, but that cannot be overstated. And it ties together kind of what we talked about in that first segment of, you know, what is a volume-based approach defined? And first and foremost, it is based around high quality. And so, you know, so many places might use the excuse of like, I'm going to charge a little bit less to get more people. And, you know, we can cut corners because like we, we cost less. And the best way to be successful as a gym in, in our collective opinion is have that price that's accessible, that is not lower end of the market, and that backs it up with a, a level of service and a level of quality that far, far, far exceeds not only what you're asking that people pay, but what all of your competition is asking that people pay as well. And that's one of the things that we're quite fanatical about as owners is just that delivery of the class, uh, how the coaches are trained, how the coaches structure their classes, um, the ongoing education of coaches and making sure that they're they're keeping up with um, being leaders in the industry, not just kind of able to execute and deliver a class, but hammering home to the staff really at all times that um, coaching is a very serious craft and we need to be treating it as such and we need to be um, constantly, constantly keeping that at the forefront of what we're doing. Otherwise, everything will collapse. Exactly. And, you know, don't focus on being cheap. 
focus on providing a better value. So whatever that price point is, you can look at it, am I providing more than I'm charging? And then that price can be all over the board depending on um, your location, your style of gym, all that stuff. But not cheap, but a good value. Yeah, and, and you know we talked about seeing certain costs as you know, some costs are going to be a nuisance. Uh, some costs are going to be an investment. And so, you know, I just talked a little bit about how we treat the, the coaching experience and the coaching interaction with members. Uh, so it's such an important part of what we believe. And there's, there's not a gym listening that doesn't agree with that or that doesn't focus on it. But, um, you know, we have a, a, a salaried position at our gym for someone who their sole job is to uh, oversee develop and educate the coaches. It's a director of coaching development. And so um, it's a a niche position that is, uh, quite frankly, it's required for us to be able to continue to be at the level that we're at. Because if we were to have that position be neglected, um, as it was by me over the, the past year, then it would slowly start to deteriorate in all of our brand promises to members, to prospects, uh, would quickly be kind of realized as a fraud. So it's just the, the part about it being high quality really cannot be overstated and investing whatever you possibly can, whatever you need to, in order to make sure that you are delivering the, on those expectations and that you are delivering that, that quality service is, is really the only way that any sort of volume-based model can make it past a few years and really, really sustain, grow, and and become a leader in the industry. Well said. I can tell when you get passionate about something because you start breathing heavy. <laughs> I'm also just like not in great shape right now. So like walking and talking, I just uh, kind of wins me. Kind of wins me. Um, great. Well, let's end it there. Um, why don't you give a, a quick rundown of everything and, and we'll send people on their way. All right. So quick rundown. First and foremost, we talked about high volume defined. We talked about how pricing, you want to be kind of mid-range in the market, slightly below that maximum cost, but definitely far above the bottom cost. You do not want to be the bottom feeder. Otherwise, it's that proverbial race to the bottom. Your acquisition, it should be very easy for folks to try your service. It should be automated. You should kind of get out of your own way and let technology help you when it comes to acquiring members. And then you want to be shooting for about 200, mem- excuse me, 250 members at that average of about $150 per member. We talked about fallacies. So first one being that you make less money because your prices aren't premium. We showed you guys some math on why that's completely untrue and why you can, in fact, make substantially more money at your gym. We talked about how fallacy number two, your expenses being out of control, how that is also completely untrue. In looking at the example of adding a class, you are going to make roughly about $3,000 per class if you're doing it right, making that not an expense but an investment. And then fallacy number three, we talked about how it's just going to completely drain your time trying to keep up with all of your members. We talked, of course, about that being untrue as well. Anytime you have to say all of your members, first and foremost, that is a great sign. And any work that you do have to put into it is going to be worth it towards your bottom line. And there are also many, many tools for automation that can help you with that process. And then lastly, we talked about the keys to making it all work. Having standard operating procedures, especially with your coaches interacting with new members. We talked about the acquisition and the automation and the ease of things being needed. 
and we talked about making sure above all high quality is needed. You have to have an excellent service that far exceeds what you are asking the market to pay you to train there, to train there. And if you are doing so, then you will keep clients for a long time and build a truly sustainable business. Perfect. I got nothing else. All right, guys, we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.